everything in business is a gamble. People generally buy people. It's genius! We want an education. What you're thinking, can you get the buy-in? Buy-in, buy-in. You're listening to Forest FM, the salon business show with your host, Zoe Belil Springer. For your industry, by your industry. Pivoting in business is not an easy feat. Um, As a salon or spa owner, you're exposing yourself to uncertainty. You are counting on the idea that the changes you're going to implement will be sustainable and uh, will stay aligned with your market's trends, uh, at least for a little while. And in the middle of all that, you need to get your team's buy-in. You need to bring them on a journey with you. And so sometimes it can really feel high risk. But of course, who says high risk can also sometimes say high reward. Pivoting is not always about reinventing your entire business, though. The changes that you're looking at implementing don't have to be monumental or pioneering in any way. Fundamentally, pivoting is just about being in touch with your business in relation to its market and meeting your customers where they are. And the more you do it, the more comfortable you become with innovating and navigating uncertainty, all the while developing your staff into a seasoned team. I think, you know, it's hard to ever be 100% sure if you're going to make the right move. Any kind of pivot, no matter what situation is, as long as you're evaluating, is this coming from a good place, this change? Is it going to be good for everyone on my team? Is it going to be good for our clients? Is it going to be overall just the best intentions? Then that should help you kind of navigate through it. Because if you're just trying to do the right thing, then you really shouldn't have to second guess it too much. The biggest thing you'll see, I feel like, with salon owners is they won't pay attention to the patterns in their team. And then all these pivots start to happen without them. And then they start panicking. There are some things that you have to stick it out. Like, you don't want to just, like, throw something into the pot. And if it doesn't, like, catch right away, like, take it back out. Like, some things do need to marinate. And I feel like once, like, you're more open-minded, you'll be able to trust that gut feeling a little bit more. So then you'll know like, okay, now it's time to pivot or we need to start like thinking about this because like we're starting to recognize these changes. On the show with me today are two highly passionate, creative and spirited individuals. Together with their business partner, Taylor Miller, they formed the dream team that drives the boutique style salon House of Air in Davenport, Iowa. Ramiro Corrales, co-founder, is all about the client experience. He specializes in curating a distinctive environment by recognizing the relationship between hair, music, beauty, and fashion. He designs fresh floral arrangements weekly, uh, curates the music playlist House of Air that you can find on Apple Music, and beyond the sensorial aspect, he believes connection to each individual client is a must. As such, his career in the salon industry has been based on creating a warm, inviting front-of-house experience and a salon where a team can grow daily. Cameron Kepford, an accomplished salon owner, stylist, and beauty launchpad educator who uses this platform to create change in the industry, opened House of Air in 2013 and has ever since been curating a team of elite stylists within his community. Graduating from cosmetology school in 2016, he's been featured in multiple publications, including Modern Salon Magazine, Salon Today, Beauty Launchpad, The New York Times, not to mention his countless Instagram features. He's also the 2016 recipient of the Beauty Changes Lives Scholarship Award, won a variety of brand-focused contests, and competed as a finalist in the student category at the 2017 North American Trend Vision Awards. 
So Cameron, Ramiro, thank you so much for joining me on Force FM. Um, it's an absolute pleasure. I keep seeing you around at events, obviously. Uh, well, when we could travel, of course. Um, but that's coming back soon, I hope. And um, and you just had an interview earlier this year with, uh, well, at our own Forest uh, internal gathering um, with Paige. So thank you so much for joining me um, after that. And I'm really looking forward to today's conversation. Thank you so much for having us. I'm so stoked for this. So excited. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So we decided we were going to talk about pivoting in business. And I think that it's a topic that, you know, has been talked about incessantly, especially during the pandemic. Like most businesses have had to pivot some in some way, shape or form. Um, but, you know, to, to give a bit of context before I, I hit you with the first question, I guess, is, you know, as an entrepreneur, you kind of you always have beliefs about the things that you don't know for sure, like, you know, how you're your customer base or target market will react to, say, like introducing a new service. You probably have some insights as to why you would introduce this service and why you think it'll work, but you never 100% know until it's actually launched. Um, and if your beliefs don't change over time, well, usually you don't change your strategy. And one of the best examples of that would be Blockbuster. Like for anyone who remembers like Netflix, what is now Netflix wanted to buy it at Blockbuster and they they said no. And in the end, um, they went bankrupt, you know, because of it. And now we have Netflix. So to think to think about pivoting, like you need to think outside the box. You need to be comfortable with taking a risk, with experimenting different things. And so for you guys, I'd like to, to start by the beginning. Like what was the vision for House of Air when you opened? Because I feel like to be properly talking about pivoting in business, we need to understand the circumstances that led to that and the initial strategy that was in place. Yeah, it's so crazy to think about what are our mindset was when we first opened House of Air in 2013, there was only about eight to 12 months prior to opening that we had to like build our business before we actually opened up our doors. It was a really quick turnaround. Ramiro and I were actually living in Chicago and came back on a whim to look at retail space and opened up the business four months later. Wow. It was very, very quick. So, but our mindset was so different than what it is today. And so just like going back to what you said about Blockbuster, I love that you said that because I tell that to my team and friends all the time when we have our discussions about pivoting. I'm like, look at Blockbuster compared to Netflix. Like if you don't change your mindset, you don't change your strategy, then this is a possible outcome. <laughs> yeah, so, and not a favorable one. Let's put it that not way. Not a favorable one, not at all. <laughs> so I, be, I mean, and Ramiro, correct me if I'm wrong, when we first opened up House of Air, we were so new and we were taking a big risk. And so we were like, we need to fit the salon norm. Like we need to like elevate like what is normal right now, but still stay in this like safety box. Mm. And yeah. if we would have stayed in that mindset for longer than six months, we would not be here today. So we quickly were like, this is not what we want. This is not who we are. This is not authentic. I mean, even like to the clothes that we were wearing or what we were asking our team to wear it just did not feel genuine. Mm -hmm. And so I, that was the first time we started pivoting and it was before anyone in our community. And that was before Instagram. Yeah. So we, like we were operating like on Facebook for our social media and blowing up on there. And so like once people started to see all the changes that we were making inside 
House of Air and inside the community, it really like elevated and set the bar for all of our surrounding salons. Mm -hmm. And the ones who pivoted are extremely successful. And the ones who did not have closed years ago. Yeah. I mean, when we opened it too, it was like big on just doing what we've always done and what you've always seen. I mean, anything from just like level systems, like we dressed very conservative. And then once we started being authentic to ourselves and just kind of going with whatever, we were like, no, this is what we're going to do here. It really just took off. So within the first six months, you started pivoting the first time. How often would you say like proper pivotal moments did you have um, since 2013? I think that after that, every year that goes by, we start pivoting more and more and more because over time, you know, so many changes come your way and you either can choose to panic or go with it. And Mm -hmm. now even when we don't have to, I'm like trying to look to where do we pivot next? Because when things are really good, I want to pivot as well to keep it that way. Because if you don't keep pivoting, they they won't stay that way. Yeah. Yeah. Ramirez said many times to our team and to myself and Taylor, our business partner, like, Pivoting doesn't have to mean crisis. Like pivoting, like when you're at the top, like pivot. Like you always want to grow and elevate and evolve everything that you're doing so you can move on to the next thing. Because a quote that we love is, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you always got. And we stand behind that quote because we don't want to become complacent. Yeah. And so anytime we feel complacency is when we're like, okay, we need to check ourselves and we need to pivot. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it doesn't mean like to pivot doesn't mean also to like change the entire business model. Sometimes it's just like a certain little part, you know, just to adapt to a certain little thing. Like the the rise of Instagram probably had a lot of businesses pivoting, but it might not have, you know, shifted the entire business model of that company. Absolutely. Um, And I loved how you said, you know, you don't always, it doesn't need to mean that there's a crisis because we'll often hear, and I'm sure you've heard this before, like, don't ever waste a a good crisis or something like that. Like, yes, it's true, but it doesn't always need to be there for you to be able to do a change and move forward with something new, I guess. Exactly. So when do you know, though, when, when it feels right to the right time, I guess, to, to, to pivot versus like persevere in, in some specific aspect, you know, if something's like going a little bit, like is, is a bit harder or whatever, and you've noticed this over like, I don't know, maybe the course of six months, like, how do you know if it's the right move to pivot versus like, well, maybe we could, we, we should stick to this and try to figure out just a different way of doing it a little tiny bit, you know, but sticking to this strategy kind of vibe. I think, you know, it's hard to ever be 100% sure if you're going to make the right move with it. I think, though, when you're going into it, if you know that it has everyone's best intentions and it's going to be something that should be better for us, for our team, for our clients, um, then you just got to go with it and pivot again if it's not working that way, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah, there are some things that we you have to stick it out like you don't want to just like throw something into the pot and if it doesn't like catch right away like take it back out like some things do need to marinate (laughs) but I think that like we're always just having like constant conversations and open communication with like Romeo Taylor and I with our team even with our community and our clients like we're always trying to just be sponges to absorb like all the information around and see like all of the habits and behaviors that are changing not only in our industry but the world too Mm -hmm. and I feel like if once like you're more open-minded you'll 
be able to trust that gut feeling a little bit more. So then you'll know like, okay, now it's time to pivot or we need to start like thinking about this because like we're starting to recognize these changes. I mean, social media is obviously the biggest one. COVID, like the pandemic, those are the big ones. But even like the micro things that you're just seeing what with different trends and and like getting micro with it, it helps. Yeah. You just mentioned something there, like, you know, about um, listening to the community and the and your clients and stuff. Like, do you ever engage with them on a like survey kind of level or is it more like what you're hearing when people are coming through your doors? Both. And this is not a plug for Forrest, but <laughs> our review system like has been career changing. And I've said that with Forrest before, and I've said this with different like, media outlets and different salons that we've not have been solicited to talk about for us, but it truly has changed the way that we get to communicate with our clients in a different way because not everyone is comfortable having a face-to-face conversation, but they are comfortable leaving a review and it starts a conversation. Fortunately, 99.9 of those are five-star great reviews. So yes, we get to like continue that conversation, but I also enjoy the ones that are not five stars because then I see a breakdown and then we know how to navigate and communicate with our team, with ourselves, with a client. And so that tool has been huge for us. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's not like when someone walks through the door and I'm like, Hey, what do you love about (laughs) us? (laughs) What can we do different? But it's like just trying like little things, like even like adding a sugar cube to someone's champagne. It's people notice the micro details mm-hmm. and um, yeah, I can be more pleased with that, with the review feature. It's helped us yeah. a ton in communicating with our community. How do you feel about that, Ramiro? Oh, I mean, I totally agree. I mean, even with the really like the five-star reviews, they'll still put in there sometimes the things like, oh, I wish this would have been this way or we could have done this differently. So yeah, that's a great tool to help pivot in those directions. And do you feel like there's ever like common indicators before you start pivoting, you know, like common indicators of like, well, okay, this, this is happening again. And I've seen this kind of like our team reacting this way, or I've seen our clients feeling a certain type of way. Like, do you ever feel like there's like something specific that just like, even if like in terms of like a mood or something like that, that comes around when just before you guys start to pivot? Yeah, I think um, if you're aware of what other people around you are feeling and thinking and you're kind of trying to be in tune with that. Cause even like a- after, you know, the pandemic, you come back, the stylist mindset is so different and just the way they want to mm-hmm. represent themselves and the way they want to charge and their value. People took a lot of time to really learn a lot about themselves and what they believe in. So there's a, you see it coming from multiple people and you just keep, yeah, you see those patterns for sure. If you're if you're open to them, the biggest thing you'll see, I feel like, with salon owners is they won't pay attention to the patterns in their team, and then all these pivots start mm. to happen without them, and then they start panicking. Right, right. Do you have an example, maybe, of a, a pivot that you've done with House of Air that maybe you could uh, describe? It could be COVID related, even. Um, I know a lot of, like I said, a lot of businesses have pivoted during COVID, so maybe it's that. Yeah, I think I'll answer one part. Like, that's more micro about it. Like, it was during the pandemic that when we had to close for two weeks, and we are in Iowa, and we had it not nearly as severe as some other states. Mm -hmm. So I've talked to salon owners from around the country, and my heart goes out to them because they had to work really, really hard because our duration of time was eight weeks. We didn't get shut down three times. Like, 
California did. So, but in our community, we were like, we don't know if the government's going to come through for us. This is before we knew that we were going to get assistance with anything, but we didn't want to like tap into all of our savings. We didn't want to have to take out excess loans. We didn't know if we were going to get a PPP. So like, what can we do? So Ramiro and I were at the salon every single day. We were taking, um, product orders and delivering them to people's doorsteps, like really Mm. just maximizing like our time and our value. And what happened is the community, like we had media coverage on it. And so other salon owners were contacting us and like, what are you doing? Like, now we all of our clients are wanting this from us. And if we don't do it, then they're going to go to you. And so I'm like, well, why wouldn't you want to be doing this? Like, it's a way to sustain your business without having to depend on anything else because we don't know if it's going to happen yet. So there were people who were like, yes, you're right, and joined us. But then the people who are like resistant against us were like, well, I don't have time to go to the salon all day and deliver product to everyone there and then they were outsourcing like people to come in and do it but then I'm like well you can't do that because of the laws and like everything put in place so that pivot that w- what we did being like a trailblazer and a trendsetter in our community it was noticed immediately and then the ones that got on board were the Netflix and the people that didn't were the blockbuster mm. <laughs> so that was one side of it <laughs> kind of as just in coming back with everyone i mean like i said everyone had a different mindset and all so much personal growth in that time i mean at least within our team and it felt good i mean it's been a really positive experience over the last year um we love coming back with everyone and just we started implementing changes right away because you kind of felt like you were starting with a fresh brand new like thing going on so i mean i've really enjoy- enjoyed the past year it's taboo that might be to stay. (laughs) (laughs) Was there anything, I guess, that you guys felt was more difficult to navigate? And and if so, in the the process of changing things up, like, did you have to include the team to make it like smoother to, to get everyone on board kind of thing? Yeah, it was never difficult. I think that, well, First off, we did weekly Zoom meetings with our team for those eight weeks. And so we like were already pre-planning like coming back to get everyone's opinion on how to navigate through our day-to-day mm-hmm. just with what the CDC was recommending or what our community was wanting, but without taking away from the experience of House of Air. Yeah. So I think that if we were to not have had those conversations like two months prior to actually going back into the salon it would have been a little bit more chaotic but since we are all on the same page and the way that we operate we don't let anyone stand in the corner and not speak like if you're not speaking I'm going to call on you before the someone like me who just won't shut up so so I really wanted we wanted to hear from everyone and I felt like that helped so much. I feel like coming back from the pandemic, a lot of people's like priorities changed. Mm-hmm. And before where we're like, we had a team that were okay, well, this person needs this. And these are the directions of where everyone wants to go in their career and life. And it's our job to help navigate them safely and effectively to get there faster. Everyone changed every single person. So everyone's mindset changed, their priorities changed of what they wanted. We had people who would work 80 hours a week if we would let them that they were like, you know what, I need time for me. I want to travel. I want to do this. I want to outsource education. I don't want this. I want this instead. It was like, if you were 
looking at it, it was like a complete contradiction from like who that person was before the pandemic. And to us, that's beautiful because anytime there's change, there's growth. And it helped us see what was a priority for our team and our business. And I feel like we're still like riding that momentum and we're still in the process of doing that. Um, Just got to keep listening as they speak and hear them. And then as long as we're hearing what they're saying, it makes a difference. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and then honestly, pivoting value because we are in Iowa. Like we're we're in a smaller community. So we would always do like these market analysis to see like who's charging the most for our haircut. Like, oh, who's charging like the most for like a specialty service. And I'm like, no, like I'm done looking at everyone else, not even our community, but the entire nation. And we're going to value us because if the pandemic taught a stylist anything is that even though that we were said, they said that we were not essential, we are essential. (laughs) And I've never felt more loved (laughs) than coming back into that because people were, I mean, it was life-changing like to have people like come back into the salon and give us the credit that a stylist has yearned for since the beginning of time a hundred percent even in Ireland it was funny because like I was obviously in contact with with the guys in Dublin all the time but like in Ireland I think the number one google search for like a really long time during the pandemic is like when are hairdressers reopening (laughs) (laughs) like literally the number one search in google you know it was like yeah you just really realized like how much of an important pillar in our various communities around the world the 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 salon industry is really um in terms of like pivoting and you you've you've mentioned this like quite a few times about some salons ending up being like the blockbusters and others following suit as to what you were doing with the products and, and pivoting and stuff what do you feel the industry like our industry specifically maybe takes a little too lightly in terms of like when it comes to pivoting what can be overlooked overlooked i don't know if this is the right for me what i see happen a lot not necessarily overlooked in the sense of overlooked i guess would be that people look too much into it our salons are always going to change and teams are going to change constantly and the thing i hate to see the most is i watch the salon owners start to panic when their teams change or people decide to open their own businesses and move on um we've always taken that it's a really happy moment when someone else moves on to their next step. Mm-hmm. Um, and we pivot and we get so excited to bring in new people and keep reinventing our team over and over. And in our industry, you see it just completely destroy businesses because these owners get so angry and so bitter during it. And to where if they just embraced it in the right way and were just moved on and were happy about the change, then I feel like they would do so much better after the fact. Yeah, I feel that I've mentioned this a couple of times, just like going off of what Romero said is that we've always had open communication and like really try hard to establish genuine trust between us and like our team. And so when those stylists like have like are at the top of their game and they want to pursue their dream, we had a dream too. That's why house of that that's why we're here. So instead of being fearful 
and being like, oh my goodness, like this is one of my top providers. They're going to go, they're going to take four of my stylists and like, what am I going to do? It's a, they're coming from a place of me, 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 when really it's like, you should be so ecstatic that you helped grow this individual that now they have not only the confidence, but the revenue to go out and do what you wanted to do when you created your own business. Like I just gave myself goosebumps. (laughs) But it's true because it's happened to us twice. And we don't look at them as competitors. Like I look at them as like, that's success to me. You know, it's not about like how much House of Air can bring in or how many followers or how many brand deals we can get. I'm like the people like within like our house, if we can make grow them to make their dreams come true, like that, isn't that why we're all here? And it's necessary too, I feel like, because if your team doesn't have changes over time, you become little, your culture could become, could become stale. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's good. Like I get so excited every time I get to add someone new into our salon. I mean, we keep it boutique. We're only eight chairs. So when we get to meet someone new and learn about them and then pivot what, and change what we do because they bring something new to the table, it's some of the most exciting moments. It's interesting to hear you say that you don't see stylists leaving as competition because as human beings in general, we, we often say like, don't burn bridges, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you see a stylist leave and have like a, a bad ending to it and it leaves a sour taste in both of people's mouths really, chances are you're not necessarily going to like collaborate again in the future. Whereas like if you do celebrate where they're at now and like if if they've gone on and opened their own salon or their own boutique, whatever that is, then maybe in the future, you know, there's a possibility of like connecting on a different like project, a community kind of thing, or like raising money for charity, whatever it is, you know, you, you keep those relationships close. Yeah. It's interesting. Do you have any tips to ensure that you reduce the risks associated with um, pivoting or, you know, seeing someone go and getting someone on board that's new and has to fit the culture and stuff like, what do you guys do to mitigate those risks, essentially? I think that any time for any kind of pivot, no matter what situation is, as long as you're evaluating, is this coming from a good place, this change, is it going to be mm-hmm. good for everyone on my team, is it going to be good for our clients? Is it going to be overall just the best intentions? Then that should help you kind of navigate through it because if you're just trying to do the right thing, then you really shouldn't have to second guess it too much. Yeah. It's like, even when someone, you can preach something to an individual 50 times and there's only going to be a certain amount of people that actually listen and make those changes. So I feel like it's up to us as leaders, like in our business to be the ones that are listening and the ones that are actually creating action to like whatever we're listening to. I feel like that's happened time and time again for the little things about recycling in the salon. Like that meant the world to someone creating a charity to give back to rescued animals these things like that has nothing to do with hair, but it's a way of giving back and it fulfills that person. And if you can collaborate the two together, I feel like Romeo said it exactly. It's listening and leading with nothing but good intentions, but it has to work for all parties. It can't just work for the business. It can't just work for the employees. It has to be smart. And if you have any reservations, which we have, mm-hmm. we've had reservations. Like, is this going to work? Like, how is this going to be beneficial? But like you said earlier, it's like, is there anything like you 
throw into the pot or, and take right back out if it's not. And when I say you have to let things marinate, that's what I'm, that's what I'm trying to get to is that sometimes like it might not work and that's okay. Like we're not perfect. There's changes that we've made that maybe six months or three years later, we're like, Ooh, maybe we should have thought about that differently. Or maybe we should have done this, or it's not even something that we did, but the world changed. And now that doesn't work anymore. So now it's time to pivot again. So I don't know if I answered your question. (laughs) (laughs) I guess there is, I guess it's hard to give tips because like it's, it's, it's a trick question, I guess, because like it, it's so dependent on the situation and the context mm-hmm. and whether it's like something that's happening internally with the team or the business or a decision that you made or like you said, you know, something completely external, like the world changing. Um, but OK, you know, we started today's chat talking about your vision back in 2013 when you guys were a bit more conservative and it just really didn't feel like this the the right the right thing for you guys what does the vision look like today at House of Air um like what are your employees buying into so when we like we said when we first opened we were very conservative and even with our clothes our music it wasn't curated to us and that only lasted not even 6 months because now Romeo creates the playlist and we have businesses all over the Quad Cities that play the House of Air playlist because he's created such a great vibe. Mm -hmm. So he started that less than six months in. And that's like when we started changing. And I'm like, no, like I'm not wearing black every day. Like I want everyone to be able to express themselves in every creative outlet that they can, if it's with their hair or makeup or clothes. Um, So that conservative mindset we eliminated it quick because we just didn't like it. Over the last eight years, we wanted to build a reputation in our community as being a premier destination where you're going to get an elevated premium luxury service in an area where you wouldn't think that you would. Mm-hmm. Now there is a, there are a ton of options with so many creative stylists in this area that what do we do different to stand out? And it's all based on our experience. There are so many talented hairdressers and there are so many trailblazers in this area, which helps us continue to pivot and elevate ourselves. So our vision now is more national recognition. Right. It's uh, more brand awareness, creating products that are outside of our community. And I feel like we're even a little late to the game. Like we like social media, you can hit people globally. And I feel like House of Air has started to do that, like right after the pandemic because of our shifts in our mindset. And that's what we're focusing on now. And we're able to incubate stylists as like people like go and pursue like other dreams to keep those boutique eight chairs full, but then also to make sure that each one of those chairs has the same value as someone that has been behind the chair for 25 years or 25 days. So that's where we're at now. Like we are in a season of growth and we're in a season of like wanting even more change, even though we've already endured so much. But yeah, I think it's just um, creating value outside of our four, four walls now. And it's now giving back to different stylists, different owners, different entrepreneurs, um, and just absorbing that ourselves as well. Yeah. And I think that and the, and the other side of pivoting within the four walls from the beginning, it's just so much more 
being authentic. When we started now, like I said in the beginning, it was all about like, how does Lunds do this? What makes us luxury? What makes us premier? And now more so, it's about our personalities. Um, as us as the owners us and our stylist, it's like, how do we make this unique? Will we give them something that no one else can? That's us, you know? Mm. And so that's kind of where I feel like the whole vision goes to create this hub of everyone just coming, having a good time, doing their art, and enjoying ourselves. Because it just needs... The biggest thing I think we get all the time is people walk in and can feel the energy of positivity. They say when they come to the salon, that's the biggest compliment. It's because we truly are just there to have a good ass time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. So can we expect a can we expect like a global expansion in the next like coming years or <laughs> <laughs> probably not an expansion. Um, it's probably going to just be like more of like product and like just like different sources of value yeah we have been approached many times to do like um like make it a chain or do different locations and people want to invest in it and we're just like no like we like (laughs) boutique I've like been a part of this industry for a long time and I've worked in the salons that had 40 chairs and I we started with six we grew to 12 and then when we moved out of our original location, we went down to eight. And I felt like eight was that sweet spot. Mm. And of like, just so we could like genuinely give our team all of us. Yeah. Like it's not overwhelming, like with 40 stylists. And if you can do it out there, I like commend I you. <laughs> I respect it. It's just something that we know, like we know our boundaries and we know what we can endure and what we can't. And um, when we pivoted out of moving out of our first location, like everyone asked why, because we were literally a block away. Like mm. you can walk to our old space, but it was a better storefront. We had, we're nothing but windows now where before we were like a dungeon and we only had two windows in the front. Like the lighting plays a huge role in what we do. We just wanted to elevate our space for our team and our client. Um, and the experience more and, overall. And the experience. And people were so confused because <laughs> of where we moved to. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was like, I haven't missed that space one time. And we've been there two years now. We just had our two year anniversary with it. And it's everything that I ever could want. Wow. That's quite. It sounded like I got say. choked up. <laughs> yeah, Tad. Yeah, Tad. Well, I would understand if you did. You know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I guess I'm just gonna have to to take a plane ticket to to Iowa and come see you guys. To Iowa, come there you yes. go. Yeah, hundred percent. I'm sure I would. We will show you a really good time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure of that. Uh, so listen, guys, um, we're down to the last question of uh, today's conversation, the thought starter question, and here it goes. What's the one thing you'd never do in business and why? Aside from global expansion, because we just talked about that. (laughs) 2020 was the year consumers changed their habits. Supporting local and buying online. Online purchases increased by 50%. Social media influenced 55% of those decisions and 70% said they'd buy online again. So this begs the question, how well did your salon adapt? The good news is Forrest now has an online health score calculator. In less than five minutes, you can get your own bespoke report with tips on how to improve your online marketing, social media, online reputation, and salon website. Take the assessment today at forest.com slash online hyphen health hyphen score. The one thing that I would never do in business is take away from someone else to give me more. Yeah. Fair. 
respect that a lot. Take my heart out of it, even though some people like to say it's all business. I feel like my keeping my heart in it always keeps it the best for me, at least. <laughs> Two both great answers. I guess that's why you're, you know, working together and have this beautiful business blooming. If anyone wants to get in touch and, um, you know, have a chat with you guys or even just see what the whole experience is all about. How can people find you online? Yeah, you can find House of Air at House of Air. It's H-A-U-S of H-E-I-R, little play on words there. And then my socials are all at Cameron Kepford on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, TikTok, all of it. Uh, what about you, Romero? <laughs> um, my handle is at Romero Corrales on all of the platforms as well. <laughs> Easy peasy. A vibe. Perfect. Yes, yes. <laughs> I love your reels. Um, I will definitely link all of those in today's episode show notes as well and have your website linked. And uh, once again, thank you so much for joining me on Forest FM. It's been a blast and I hope we can chat again soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you for having us. A lot to think about coming off the back of this conversation today, um, but I guess to recap some of the common signs that can indicate your salon or spa needs to adapt or potentially pivot can include having too much of a direct competition with other salons or spas in the area. Uh, it could be that you're experiencing a certain plateau uh, in your business, um, that you only have you know, one successful element that's working in your business plan uh, currently in your strategy and the rest is, you know, a bit wobbly, um, that the market's unresponsive to certain product or services that you're offering. And overall, also the biggest one probably is just that you're unprofitable long term. So just like Ramiro said in, in the conversation today, you know, it's about being aware of those patterns that you can recognize in your team, that you can recognize in your business. Uh, maybe there's some trends that you can can uh, can start being more aware of when you look at your uh, reports and your figures. And ultimately, like we said at the very, very start, it's just about, you know, finding ways to meet your customers where they are. That's the most important thing to remember. Now, if you want to hear about another really great pivoting salon story that we shared on Forced FM, you can check out episode 175, which was aired last year. Um, it featured James Davis, and it was talking about leading through change and becoming a community linchpin. More specifically, in that episode, James was talking about how thinking outside the box helped him figure out what he could do to keep his various business operations alive during the pandemic, uh, but also enable his salon to financially evolve um, while also supporting the team. Just over Overall, how to lead positively through change and uncertainty. And it was a great episode. Strongly recommend checking that out. And um, if you have a story of pivoting that you want to share with us, please, please reach out. You can always email us at forestfm at forest.com. And I guess this is a perfect segue for the sign off. So don't forget to head over to forest.com forward slash FM and subscribe to the show's email newsletter, catch up on the transcripts. And uh, of course, as always, if you want to share your thoughts on the show or this episode specifically, you can send us an email or hit us up on social media, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, whatever it is. Um, the goal with Forest FM has always been to share marketing tips, salon growth insights, stories from the industry, because at the end of the day, it's for your industry, by your industry. Otherwise, we'll catch you all next Monday. This episode was edited and mixed by Audio Z. 
Montreal's cutting-edge post-production studio for creative minds looking to have their vision professionally produced and mixed. Great music makes great moments. Forest FM, the Salon Owners Podcast, is brought to you by Forest Salon Software. Get your clients back in more often, spending more, and generating referrals. Let's grow.